1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Man, was it a long weekend. Spencer Israel here with Joel Elkanen and Dennis Degg All right. The question we're, we're at right now in this market is, what do you do? Where do you go from here, right? If you're not fully invested, where do you go from here? Because uh, we have an, an OPEC plus deal today. Great. It's not doing a ton for the market. We're at a point now where we're coming off a really, really, Historically strong week, one of the best weeks in the history in the history of our market. So where do you go from here? We're gonna talk about that. Which stocks could catch bids this week which stocks won't uh, Earnings season is of course coming up starting tomorrow really not like it don't mean a lot but it'll at least be some numbers uh, so we'll talk about that and how that could impact things our guest today is Alan Brockstein author of the 420 investor and founder of new cannabis ventures he would join the show at 8:35 to talk about how uh, cannabis a pretty nascent industry could deal with uh, really their first recession since legalization became a thing so we'll be joined by Alan here in about uh, a half hour or so I want to throw it to Joel here, and Joel, recap for us what has happened here in the overnight session.
2: Uh Nice overnight range. Uh, we got that higher open on the OPEC deal. Took out Friday's high, 0, 09.50, went to 19.50, but we turned around on a dime. Fell 102 handles to 27.17 and a quarter. Now we're just back up at mid-range, down 15 handles, so not too much. Uh, this early to make this prediction, but the high and the low of the day may already be in here. With uh, JP Morgan earnings starting off tomorrow, I think I think just like Dennis and I and Spencer all had different opinions on the market. I think the market may be calming down here. Uh, crude, as I mentioned, open up and its high for the session, up two bucks from the close. Nosedive through Friday's low 2203, and now it's up by three cents. So, still undecided. I just will note the crude had a six buck range on Friday. Uh, so, uh, you know, the big boys were playing in uh, on the playground. Uh, gold has recovered from the lows and opened flat. Had a dip to seventeen twenty-four twenty, but now down by only six dollars and forty cents. Silver into red a little bit more on a percentage basis, down twenty-eight point three cents at fifteen seventy-seven. And Bitcoin taking the haircut. Uh, it's down six hundred and five dollars at uh, sixty-six ninety. Uh, triple D. I-, I don't know how you felt, but this might have been the longest weekend. In the history of my life
3: <laughs> that's a three-day weekend with no markets <laughs> <laughs> I what'd you do up, what'd you do on your easter weekend
2: well, well first of all i woke up uh i woke up yesterday and it was eight o'clock and i was like spencer's gonna be so mad at me i missed the show
3: because <laughs> <laughs> used to the two-day weekend <laughs>
2: yeah uh what did i do um i cleaned out the basement that's fun uh Nice clean
3: look. basement. That's good.
2: Yeah. I threw out some brokerage statements from the late nineties. I guess I don't need those anymore. I guess not. Uh several walks. Took several walks with Lisa and Perry. Uh hit the Peloton almost every day. And uh it, you know, didn't didn't do any grocery shopping. Just spent oh, I watched Ford versus Ferrari. Have you guys seen that yet? No, it's good. Very good. Very good. And then, Spencer, I started to watch that show that you mentioned. Uh, the, t- the Tiger King? Yeah.
3: Everybody's oh. talking about that. Joel's Th- giving <laughs> the thumbs down. You don't down. like it? You're the only person that has it said <laughs> it's, it's bad. Everybody only, else thinks it's
1: good. The only person that doesn't like it.
3: Yeah, uh. no, for real, because uh, I've had, like, uh, it has to be a dozen people that have said, you got to watch Tiger King. you got to watch it. you got to see this. I have not watched it yet, so Joel's giving the thumbs down. Everybody yeah. else I talk to, give it, them a big thumbs up.
1: Yeah, it's not Joel's kind of show, I think.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Animal cruelty is not really my thing. You know no, what I mean? I don't like
3: yeah. animal cruelty either. Yeah. So. Maybe I won't like this. Okay. I, I like animals.
2: Okay, let, let's go. What do, you, so, what do you got for us, Spencer? What
1: am I got wanna, for What was
3: Spencer's weekend? Stop. We're going through the weekends. Uh, uh, I want to know um, what Spencer Israel doing on his Easter weekend.
1: I'm... Uh, uh, um, I'm um, being honest, I, I didn't do much. I, I spent a lot of time yesterday, like thinking uh, about how, I'm, what, and I'm not, I, 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 don't, I don't mean this as a segue. This is honestly what I was doing. I'm trying to think about what I'm going to do with my uninvested cash.
3: That, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, uh,
1: I spent a lot of time thinking about that yesterday, uh, trying to figure out, okay, like, what do I want to buy? And more importantly, when do I want to buy? I, I know what I want to buy, but when do I want to buy it is is the question. Um so I was doing some research yesterday and just looking at you know a different did you
3: get a stock list? Did you get a list of stocks I,
1: I, I have a list I have a list of uh, uh how many how
3: give long, us your top three
1: How long is my list? what's the I Spencer
3: have... Israel top three stock picks that he wants so to buy on there, full so
1: so there were two there were two stocks um I wanted to buy on Microsoft and square uh, for a while um haven't bought either of those I sold uh, square then... on Friday oh. Okay. (laughs) That
3: was just a ridiculous rally, in my opinion. It's it, and the reason I sold Square, not that I don't love the company, it's that it is retail, and this is in retail terminals. And I gotta think that their numbers are going to just be terrible for the next quarter, because obviously, you know, maybe maybe not the first well two and two and a half months. I guess you're good, but I gotta think they're you know going forward. Obviously, the second quarter is going to be an absolute disaster, I would think, for Square because they are retail. Um and they're all you know this isn't like you know something online where you know we have a lot of still online sales whereas mostly those terminals that are in it's, the retail it's small it's all small business not yeah all, but it's a lot of small business and the rally in the last so I had this we know I bought it back at sixty I sold half of it up at eighty I wanted to sell the other half and I didn't and then I watched the thing tank all the way down to thirty two dollars well it's come all the way back I knew there was some resistance at sixty um I tried to get out the first time. Just around sixty, only got fifty nine a quarter. I missed by fifty cents. And then I watched it fall another seventeen points down to forty two dollars. Looking back in April, well, the last five days, squares went from forty two thirty three. It got up on Friday to sixty four ninety four. So you're talking with a stock that went up. What is that? over fifty percent in five days. The stock rally fifty. Is that right? Forty two. Yeah, because twenty two point round over. It went up over fifty percent in five days. I'm like, okay, that is my out. And I think it did reverse on Friday. I think that the stock chart itself reversed on Friday, 64.95. I actually got out near the high somehow. I got on the 63 handle on that run up. So I look at it now and I would love to get Square back, but I think I get a shot under 50. So this is going, it is going back on my buy list. I'm going to add it right now. It's basically scalping my long-term account, but it was just too much too fast, in my opinion. Putting Square back on the list. I want it back, but I want it... I'd I'd love it in the low 40s again. Don't know if I'm going to get there.
1: Yeah. So Square and Microsoft were the two that names that have been on my list, and then I know I know you're going to yell at me here, but I was also looking at MGM.
3: You know what? I won't yell at you. Um, It's speculative at this point in time. It is very speculative. People will get mad at you for saying that, though. Yeah, I know. People are going to get mad at me. You know, with a three point nine six percent dividend, right? You know, casino that's been around forever. Um, you know, I've stayed at the MGM Resorts in Vegas a lot of times. Beautiful, uh, beautiful resort, beautiful casinos. Um, still, the businesses, you know, uh, the, the the business itself is not their fault that everybody, you know, is, is scared to go into a hotel or to a casino. Until we get some light at the end of the tunnel, there, I'm going to be hands off on that, just because, and that's why I call it speculative this time, because. We don't oh, know yeah, how much to totally. hold on the lockdown is going to go yeah. for us. So this is ground zero and I'm staying away from the ground zero stocks. I'm buying pullbacks, but I won't be buying a pullback in MGM.
1: I, I mean, I agree. It's on my list. I didn't say I was going to buy it today, but you yeah. know, I, I, I like the fact that it has a dividend. It's a new dividend. They only had it for a couple of years. Uh, the yield is artificially high because their stock price is so low, Um But you know, at least they have a catalyst to get out of this thing and potentially grow the business. I'm talking about sports betting here. So, you know, I don't know. It's on my list. I'm interested. I just again, I just don't know where and when I want to buy it. I could Um,
3: get interested in the casinos at some point in time, but uh, and maybe now is the time. You know, because when there's light at the end of the tunnel starts to be a lot higher. But I'm still concerned on debt issues here and the companies that are in ground zero. Yeah. Potentially, I don't know if MGM is going to need a bailout or not, but I don't know they don't. They haven't said anything about it, but if you stay close for a prolonged period of time, I've got to think that there's going to eventually be some issues where we might need some cash. So yeah. that's why I stay away from those stocks. But at the same time, you know, if we start to see like a cure or a, a, a therapy that works, um, maybe everybody will be scrambling at that time, but that, that, I, I'm scared of those stocks that's all there's lots of so, other places where I'm a little bit safer that's all
1: so this brings us to what we were talking about uh, on the pre pre-market show which is the which stocks could theoretically catch some baits here and which stocks won't MGM uh, is one of those ground zero names that probably won't but it, other it, stocks- it, it
3: could I mean it, it, these are the stocks that went up the most Spencer so I mean you look at MGM five dollars and ninety cents back yeah. on March 18th to, here to we 16. are. It, yeah. It, we're, yeah, we're fifteen dollars here. You're talking about a stock that's up two hundred percent in fifteen trading sessions. Yeah, so th- that's why I was arguing. who is our guest on Friday, from Piper?
1: Yeah, yeah, Johnson. Craig
3: Johnson. That's yeah. why I was arguing with Craig, and he really talks well. Like he's a yeah. good. He was Man, really good his point incredible. really was well. He, was he convincing? He had me ready he, to go he, buy out right then. <laughs> He was very convincing, but he didn't convince me. And the main reason was he was pointing out some of these stocks and saying, look, a lot of these, you know, stocks. And, you know, he was giving DRI as an example of a stock that could really, you know, go up significantly from here. I'm just arguing $26 on March 18th. It's 64 now. It's already went up very significantly. It's up 150% from the lows. Now you start to get back where if you're going 64, 65, you know you start thinking, okay, well, you get you know $70 at the 50% retracement. We know the overall market appears to be struggling at the 50% retracement. I'm sure Joel will talk, that, talk about that in a minute. But some of these stocks have already had significant rallies. I mean, DRI in the last five days, just like Square, it's went from 43 to 65. We're talking about a stock that's up almost 50% in five trading sessions. So easy money has been made alongside, in my opinion. Now I need a pullback. If I'm going to jump into these, like some of these stocks, you're going to get some pullbacks. And this is this is my strategy going into this earnings season. I'll tell you, and I've talked about this before, I'm sitting with a lot of cash. I bought a few stocks, but not nearly enough. I'm probably going to be along with everybody else. Just like we said on Friday, I will be looking to buy stocks along with every other money manager on pullbacks on their earnings. Starbucks gave you an opportunity on Friday. Didn't pull the trigger, shoulda, but it was got down, if you show that Starbucks chart, after hours, I think a sixty-eight dollars, sixty-eight and change, and close near the highs. So that one would have worked perfectly if you're buying companies that you know are of you know fairly okay quality, um, or like pretty good, like Starbucks. I don't think is going out of business anytime soon. Like I, I, I feel safer in a Starbucks than I do in an MGM. Um, I think you get a pullback on like, no, you know, a disappointing quarter or, 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 you know, they say something fairly negative about Q2. You get 5-6% pullbacks, maybe 10% pullbacks in some of these stock cases. I think the pullbacks get bought. And I will be trying to buy the pullbacks on a lot of these different stocks as we come into earnings season. So I'm a buy the dipper. Buy the dip hat is back on, at least for now. Not saying, where, that, that, not saying that the market's going to continue to rip from here. The market's already ripped. But when you get the market flat, you get a stock pulling back 10%, it's giving you a second shot to get a stock at prices from two or three weeks ago. That's the shot that I'm going to take to try to redeploy some capital. And I'm sure, I don't think every single stock is going to rally on their reports. So there will be some that dip. You're going to maybe have to be quick, but I will be looking to buy those dips.
1: Yeah, I mean that's just the question here. Is just is is for all the people like me and and you, Dennis, who have money on the sidelines. Yep. it's just it's like when what do you do with it? If you didn't already invest it, a what are you waiting for? And and b now now that you missed
3: the first big move, now what do you do?
1: I don't know. I'm yeah, buy Go. pullbacks. Yeah,
3: that that's what we've been doing. I mean, and you know I've bought a little bit, not nearly enough. I was hoping for a better pullback, but that's what everybody's doing. That's why this morning, overnight, the same exact thing, it's Groundhog Day here. We're not worrying about, you know, the negative catalyst right now. FOMO, Craig was absolutely right when he's saying that the FOMO is the biggest fear out there now, and it really is. Right now, everything could change in a week. You know, the way these macro headlines come, everything could change very significantly, but I'm somewhat uncomfortable to be 70% cashier right now. You know, at the peak, I might've been up to 75 or 78, maybe 80 um, you know, I, never, I don't sit down and analyze that closely. Like I said, I've bought about seven or eight stocks since, you know, in the pullbacks here. You know, I, I bought three or four and we're down at 245, which I wish I would have bought them all then. But hindsight capital's twenty-twenty. I did not foresee uh, the rally that we saw last week. I thought we were going to have a lift. I didn't think it was going to be 25% type lift. So which, you know, was an incredible, you know, run up here in the market or whatever it was last week, 20, or 25% off the lows, but whatever it was, like 17 or 18%. It was a huge rally last week. So I all, right, all right, that. I
2: got to... Th- come this in, is, come This in, come is come just in.
3: too much here. This is just... this okay.
2: is. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm buying puts on everything you guys buy.
3: Um, <laughs> Joel is going to give us no. some reality check. Give us a reality check. I, and I want to just be clear before you go your point. I'm not saying I think the market's ripping higher from here. I'm saying maybe we have some work to do, but if we pull back on a stock 10%, it's giving me a shot to buy the stock at the prices it was two or two or three weeks ago. So it's like I'm buying back at 245, 250 spy. So that's why I'm looking at it from that perspective. I don't know where the market go. I'm not buying spy right here at 277. So I'm not full on the, the markets ripping up to new highs, but I will buy pullbacks. That's what I'm saying. So give us a reality check though, because it sounds like you're buying nothing.
2: Uh, no, I will. I will. I'll look at some different things. Um, just a lot of different factors here. I, I think maybe maybe eight months, 12, 10 months or something, I think that you can look from the fallout and you can see what new companies are going to emerge from this. Uh, just like you had during the, the internet bubble and the tech, uh, the, uh, the financial crisis, new companies are going to emerge, new sectors are going to emerge, and I'm going to wait for those companies um i just feel that also you have an election year coming up a lot of uncertainty here um so i would just be more content to wait and see what cuz i just maybe i'll miss the v bottom i'm very comfortable with you know the i didn't quite do what you did dennis so i didn't you know I, i'm not in that kind of cash position here uh but i just look at the potential negative earnings. I look at the potential negative GDP. I look at the potential bankruptcies and I I just, I don't need to chase. And I, I think this, earn, I think it's going to take maybe Q4 or something. I think things are going to, I mean, how are these companies when the entire economy shut down? Let's say tomorrow we went back to normal. Tomorrow. that That's what I feel like the market's pricing in. I think it's going to take, you know, you look at these uh, declines that we've had, and it's take a long time to recover. And I, I, think this one is a real, a real kick in the pants because it is affecting everything. It Everyone. is affecting restaurants. It is affecting airlines. It's affecting cruise lines, casinos. It's, um, you know, stores, restaurants. I mean,
3: it's, it's uh, everything. How it's many people even...
2: are losing their jobs? Who's going to spend money to, to make this economy turn around? And go back to three or four percent GDP. People are losing their jobs, people are losing their houses. Buildings are gonna uh, you know, REITs. People
3: are paying people, rent
2: people aren't paying rent.
1: No, yeah. oh, the REITs are just gonna get I mean they're they're already getting slaughtered, so
3: this some you're talking some. what I've been talking about for a long time. And I just want to clarify with you because I come on and you listen to a seven minute rant about buying pullbacks, it sounds like I'm full on bullish. This is not the case. I know I'm not I know. buying spy. I am not chasing. I'm with you. I am not chasing. There's people that's telling you to chase this market. I am not one of those people. We may be wrong, you know, because I think you're saying not to chase too, obviously. I'm not chasing. I'm saying if I get a 10% pullback in an individual stock, I will buy that pullback. Um, Not on MGM, not on Carnival Cruise Lines, but if like Bank America pulls back 7, 8% on their earnings report, it gets back down to 23, $22. I might pull the trigger on some stock just to redeploy some capital. If, uh, you know, we're looking this week earnings reports, it's mostly financials, um, but AMD pulls back significantly. Let's say, you know, it just gets rocked. It's down like $42 that low. Well, and then I'm getting at a price When spy was at 242. So it's like, I'm buying the stock. It's five two forty-two. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I want to say one hard. thing,
2: what, one final thing, and then we can move on to some stocks, okay? For Spencer, Spencer, what are you 27, 28? I'm one of those ages. Okay. <laughs> what are <those> <laughs> It's a multiple choice question. Spencer, no doubt you have to be doing it. Okay. Dennis, you're what? Forty? I got 40? a few
3: gray hairs here going. How
2: How old are you, Dennis?
3: I don't even know. I have to go look it up. No. <laughs> I usually ask my wife. But I'm forty three.
2: Okay. All right. So you also, you know, your 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 investment, you know, horizon is is different. Probably than still mine. twenty years. Okay. All right. I hope. All right, I'm I'm 57. Yeah. Okay, so you know different stages. You know, I we I know we have listeners of all different ages and incomes and stuff like that. You got to look where you're at on your investing horizon, right? Yep. And I I think that for what Spencer's saying is absolutely correct, and I'm going with what you're saying. You're correct, but um, you know, I look at anybody that let's say is uh, 74. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do anything at the top and they didn't do anything at the bottom. Man, oh man, I would look at this. I would look at this level. I would look at this week. I don't have to necessarily do anything, but I I would be on guard. I think it's, you know, for anybody over 70, you know, or near retirement or buying a house, but no one's buying. Oh, I forgot the real estate, housing, real estate market, and the home builders. I forgot about them. Um, I think you have to look at this And, and, um, and, and evaluate, you know, are you going to be comfortable if the market goes back down to 2,400 and, or if it goes up to 3,100.
3: Analyze Joel's giving, you know, like, obviously, you know, we don't, we don't give investment advice, but he's giving good information here and you need to analyze your personal situation. If you're 75 years old and you're sitting with too much equity, this rally is a gift. I completely agree with you. If you're sitting like me and Spencer Israel with a little bit too much cash, we were nervous in January, I raised it up. I need to redeploy some of that because I don't know that we aren't going to v bottom. And I don't want to be sitting with 70% cash in, in my situation if we do v bottom. And I'm telling you how I'm going to do it is I'm going to buy some individual stocks on pullbacks, I'm not buying the market here. I'll be buying some individual stocks you know, with, with, uh, with many companies that are going to report over the next three or two months or month and a half. There's definitely going to be some opportunities. We've already saw Starbucks and Costco both had significant pullbacks that both of those pullbacks were bought very quickly. Everything might change. If I start seeing, you know, and we're seeing reports, this is the scary stuff, you know, that, we know, we, we got to talk some of the scary stuff too, again, you know, of, you know, people getting reinfected in South Korea or potentially maybe never having gotten rid of it, you know, it just was hiding from the test results. That's scary. If you see China, and obviously the data coming out of China, we don't know we're going to be able to believe it. We probably can't, but if you start to see cases start to increase as the places get open, that's scary. Because then how the hell do we get out of this? So those are the situations where, you know, I would be like, okay, I'm going to start selling stocks again. But i am still got my buy the dip hat on and sell the rip hat on. So despite my bullish little rant that I had this morning, which is probably the first bullish rant I've had on the show in a long time, Um, which wasn't a bullish rant. It was a buy the pullback rant. I sold square on Friday. Why did I sell it? Because I'm selling rips, buying dips, and you're being rewarded for doing both of those things in this environment. So not buying the rips and selling the dips. That's how you lose money in this environment. It's been buying the dips, selling the rips. It continues to work. And that's how I'm going to continue to try. And uh, and, and purely
2: technical, I, I just, you know, great day yesterday or Friday or Thursday yep. whenever the hell that was. You know, good poke today. Give me 3-4 closes above 2786, you know, during this earning season. Let me see that you're going to hold that level. And then, you know, then you can look for, you know, you know, 3000 or 3100. So, I think it's uh, you know, just put my technical hat on, you know, I'm saying, hey, you know, the Marcus Tanya, you had a we had a close at 79.75 on Friday, uh, Thursday. They goosed it a little bit at the five o'clock. We've been all over the place, so you know, technically, you had your, your dip, you've had your rebound, you've had your 50% retracement. And if you're if, if gonna hold here, and I, I know what you're saying, Dennis, you're looking for a pullback, and I, I know exactly yeah. you're not going to I'm not buying a
3: 277 and a half. I am not buying up here because we've run too far. That's why I sold Square. I've sold my Square to buy it on a pullback. I think a pull, we will get a pullback in some individual stocks. I think we will get a pullback eventually in the overall market too, because I don't think we're going straight up. I don't think we are V-bottoming. We might. We might. I don't know that we're not. Nobody knows anything. Mohammed no, like Alarian is on CNBC this morning again. I'm going to tell you, he hits the nail on the head every time he speaks. That, and We've had him on the show before too. We should get Muhammad back if we can. Um, he's probably in high demand right now, but that person, you know, is you know, he's like, we aren't doctors. We aren't, you know, we're investors and we don't have a playbook for this. So he is basically saying, nobody knows exactly how this is going to go, but there's high uncertainty. So if you're nervous, if you're nervous about the uncertainty, I'd say now is the time to lighten up. I'm on, I'm on page with you. I'm on board with you there, Joel, if you're nervous about the uncertainty. I'm nervous about having a little bit too much cash, so that's why I'm buying pullbacks. Okay. Stock pulls back, I might nibble. All
2: right, let's talk, let's talk oil. Let's talk oil because someone asked about oil stocks yeah. here, and I think it's really interesting. Not last week, but the end of last week when they we you know were talking about um, you know the OPEC, they jammed it I think to 28 and change, and then after hours a, a week ago Friday they took it up to 29 bucks okay 6 bucks range on Friday Thursday I can't wait till this is over with and uh they May settle it over. they settle it near the um near the bottom of the range you get the deal faded the living hell out of that open at 24 set twenty four sixty. he hit 2474 and I was talking about this with Spencer I mean Spencer's like well you, you, you've changed the, the supply equation, but demand. No one's going anywhere. No one's using oil. And oil was already on the decline before this whole, the whole thing all happened. So I still think I'm hands-off on the energy sector. Dennis, what about you?
3: Completely hands-off. And again, I'm going to say I'm not buying any stocks for any uh, sectors that were in trouble before the crisis began. Oil was in trouble before the crisis began. I mean, we are back in March and you were sitting near the lows and how weak can these energy stocks get? Well, now you get a crisis. You know, you look at Halliburton, it was going straight down for the entire month of February before even though most of this stuff began. But, you know, even you look at January, start of the year 25, we went down for a month and a half when the market was going straight up. The market was going straight up until if you bring up the spy and look at it coincidentally, the market was going straight up till mid-February. Well, Halliburton, Sumberg, we're going down at that same time.
2: Okay, hey, can, can I break in here? Airlines deciding on Treasury grant offers. <laughs> um, did, you, did you? I just saw that. bike very rarely have CNBC on, but uh, they were talking about no layoffs until September thirtieth. Uh, Delta goes to junk status. I just wanted to throw it. We'll cover the airlines. There's, Fini- there's a Fini- lot of
3: news all the time in the airlines. The <laughs> biggest thing that we need to know is what is a bailout going to look like because they are going to need a bailout. if we, if we, Unless we open up the economy next week and everybody goes back to normal, it's highly likely that the airlines are all going to need a bailout. I don't like buying companies that need a bailout because I saw how it went down in the financial crisis and the terms were not good for the companies that needed a bailout. A lot of the stocks never, ever recovered. AIG never recovered. You can look at the all-time high on AIG. It's probably like $2,000 or something like that or whatever it is. Like, what is it, Joel? Just, Uh, I've got to give this perspective again. Because people really believe that they get a bailout, the equities is going to go right straight back up. And I believe those people are wrong.
2: Yeah, good call on that, uh, 2066.72, 2066, and then Citigroup, Citigroup, You have
3: 1% of your money in AIG, so if you bought the stock back, you know, when the AIG was needing government money to not fail, you are 12 years later now, and you have 1% of your money, 1% of it, you've invested 10,000 bucks, you got 100 bucks back, 100 bucks left, that's what a two thousand dollar high means. Ten thousand dollar investments worth hundred bucks. That was company Fanny and Freddie. Same story. Citigroup. Same story. Joe, bring Five seventy. Five seventy. Five seventy. So okay, you got on, on your ten thousand dollar investment of the all time highs in Citigroup, and you know maybe you bought it at a half price or whatever. But if you bought it at the all time highs, you got hundred bucks. Twelve years later, a few companies obviously you know went bank GM. You had nothing. I mean GM reorged went through you know, and obviously you know and obviously Chrysler same thing you hadn't the equity shareholders get wiped out, so companies continued, and this is a good point too. why not you know I watched a video, I forget who the gentleman was uh, you know I retweeted it though on the weekend um, was arguing for letting these companies fail why not why not let them fail it was it was the guy from social capital on CNBC. Yeah. yeah, and you know what I agreed with everything I was saying people get probably pissed off that i'm saying this but When you're, he's right, when companies fail, it doesn't mean these companies cease to exist. You don't. Boeing's not gonna go away, it just gets reorg, the equity shareholders, the speculative capital gets wiped out, and then you have the debt holders that often in the case of GM get a huge chunk of the stock. So it just goes right back to, you know, debt is obviously better than equity in the event of, you know, a chapter, or the event of bankruptcy. But we're not saying the companies are folding up and closing shop, you know, GM went through a bankruptcy the employees, most of them still kept their jobs. Yes, some of them had to take some pay cuts, but they were still getting paid pretty well. There's an argument, a good argument out there, that why should the taxpayer bail out a lot of these companies? When we didn't bail out Lehman Brothers, it was a problem because the banks are all in bed with each other and you got grandma's insurance payment that's not going to pay out. I mean, there's issues there. Same thing with AIG. Can you have you know, grandma's life insurance policy not pay out because of... You, because of um, uh, housing you know because yeah. of the financial crisis pretty tough but can you let a spirit air or can you let one of the or two of these airlines fail? I'm sure you know that these oper- they're still probably going to continue to operate even in the event that the equity shareholders get wiped out really a bailout you know and in the terms that the that everybody wants is they want the equity shareholders to get bailed out. I don't think the equity should get bailed out if you're buying, these companies, you're putting speculative capital to work at this point in time. And if you know the deal, you know is seriously dilutive. Seriously dilutive, then you should. Or if they want to take them through a bankruptcy if they don't get a deal, then you should get wiped out because you're putting speculative capital to work. So you're speculating on it. I mean, yes, there's some employees that own stock, but you know, again, the the, the, the gentleman from uh, that was was given the argument is that a lot of you know employees don't own as much stock as you think. So a lot of, you know, some of them do, and, and that's sad and that's tough. But again, you know, it talks about diversification in your portfolio as well. If you're, you know, taking, you know, some and diversifying even out of the own company. You have all your eggs in one basket, it's your own company. I mean, you are somewhat speculating as well that your company is going to continue to perform very well. You don't have to keep all your money in, in that company. But I would argue, I make a good, I, I, I think the guy made a good argument. That maybe we should just let some of these companies fail, just because Boeing, if Boeing had to go through a bankruptcy, doesn't mean Boeing is going away. It just means it's going to reorg and potentially come back a lot stronger. GM went through bankruptcy and they came back a lot stronger. You know, yes, they're you know having some trouble here again now, but we're in another crisis. I don't know if we should bail them all out. You know what kind of
2: came out? Uh, just an example of a bankruptcy that if you would have like held through it, like uh, remember when US Air. Went through that bankruptcy and then weren't they acquired by American Airlines or something? I mean,
3: sometimes you see that happen.
2: That's rare, though. That's rare. That's rare. That's rare.
3: I I just want to clarify, like, and I think, uh, like, that gentleman that the the video I retweeted, if you're following me, a triple D trader, I retweeted it, um, was making a very valid point is that a lot of these companies that potentially go bankrupt will not go away. You know, if you just say Boeing, you know, we're not going to just give you money here. We, you'll take, you know, some dilutive terms. I, if I was a taxpayer negotiating, and Mark Cuban said the same thing. He, he said, and he, he's exactly right too, um, that if Boeing wants a sweetheart deal, okay, go find it in the private markets. The government should not be giving sweetheart deals. They should not just be handing out money, taxpayer dollars, when we're printing money and giving trillions of dollars. You know, we're going to go further trillions of dollars in debt here. They should not just be handing out money to every single company that needs it. They need to be on terms that the taxpayer can eventually get repaid. They did a pretty good job through the financial crisis in a lot of those cases, you know, a, a lot of these companies, you know, that the deals that they the government made on some some cases and not all of them obviously, but in some cases, you know, they they got paid back. But that's what needs to happen. The terms need to be fair to the US taxpayer. And if they're coming at terms that are sweetheart, I don't want the government giving sweetheart deals. Let Boeing go to the private sector and try to find the money. Carnival just went to the private sector. Carnival went private. They found some money. So it it's, might be out there. Why should the government have to be the one to bail them out? I, I, think, the, I think the argument that Scott Wapner was trying to make
1: was it, this is nobody's fault. So why should you let anyone fail when it's not their
3: fault? It's Yeah, well, you can argue that all you want, but this is business, and things happen in business. It's nobody's fault that a lot of the airlines did a lot of buybacks and didn't save any money for a rainy day. <laughs> yeah. With three weeks, three oh, weeks after this started happening, they're already asking for money. You couldn't survive yeah. the three like weeks. like a week. They couldn't even wait a week. You they couldn't they're wait a week. There. I mean, your air, yeah, sure, Delta, you're burning $50 million a day, but let's talk normal. A month and a half ago, you're operating normal business business. business. Here you are six weeks later and you already need a bailout. You couldn't survive. You're you're operating paycheck to paycheck. Can't you save some money for a rainy day? Well, if you didn't do that, go to the private markets and find it. Carnival found some money. They had to do it in some awful terms, but they did find some money. And there might be some private investors out there that are willing to give you some ugly deals, but it's capital that could keep you surviving. I don't think the U.S. taxpayer should have to be the one to put the bill on everything. I think the U.S. taxpayer should be worried about themselves right now because there is a lot of people that are in their own world of pain right now you know main street is in a lot of pain right now a lot of people have paycheck to paycheck a lot of people don't know or they didn't pay their april rent or they don't know how they're going to pay their april or, or rent uh, a third of rent. a third of people didn't a third of people didn't I, I pay know their that's, rent true. that's an unbelievable stat that's true but that's the people we need to worry about here right now even the small businesses i'd be more worried about them but big business yeah. Should be able to find some money. And if they can't, then let them fail and let the company's debt holders come in and figure it out how to reorg to make the company come back stronger.
1: I, I think the solution to all this is maybe the airlines need to take up a side household like driving for Uber or Lyft or. Consolidation.
2: Lyft. I mean, yeah. you, that's, you know, it's going to be. Uh, Delta and United or American. I mean, that's, that's the only they, way. They might they're have
3: going. to do that. Yeah,
2: that's the only way they're going to survive. We saw it in the banking
3: industry. The, the, yep. That's what, how they, they, you know, Wachovia. How many banks got, you know, consolidated to try oh, to survive? jeez. You had Bear Stearns. That was, you know, you had the huge investment banks, and most of them went away. Merrill and Bear Stearns both had to get consolidated to go higher. You yeah, obviously J.P. Morgan and um, uh, Bank of America, America, a of them. Bank One, remember Bank One existed? It was having trouble. You had Wachovia. Wachovia. There was a a couple dozen, like major financial institutions. Washington Mutual. Countrywide Financial. Countrywide, yeah. yep. You know what, all of these, you know, some of these, and Lehman they let fail. And the big difference was it was difficult because if you let a bank fail, like I was saying, or you let AIG, how do you let AIG fail? You can't let, you know, they have have all these insurance policies that aren't going to pay out. Well, that's a completely different story than bailing out, you know, like a Spirit Air or a, Caribbean airline. Yeah, yeah, it's a different story. You're, you're not, you're going to affect those employees to a certain extent, but those employees might still have their jobs, and the companies could come back stronger. General Motors came back stronger, and in my opinion, they, they came back stronger with a hell of a lot less debt, and the debt holders just became the shareholders in that case. I mean, you know, I'm not, you know, sitting there and telling him, mean, analyze the whole balance sheets and, but, you know, for the most part, that that's the way it's structured is that the debt holders can come on and then they figure it out, but the equity shareholders get wiped out. I mean, that's not that bad of a thing. It's not as bad of a thing as everybody makes it out to be, at least, I, you know, it's bad for the equity holders, but <laughs> well, obviously, but all right. But If uh, you're let- putting new capital to work on bail in, in, in your bank and you're banking on a bailout. I, don't, I don't, and and if you don't get it well, then that was your risk and your reward uh all right
1: uh let's transition here a little bit. i wanna bring on our guest alan brockstein he's the uh the author of Four twenty investors He's the founder of new cannabis ventures and he's gonna give us a b- uh, an idea of of how the cannabis industry is gonna deal with what is essentially the first recession that that we've had since kind of started to become legalized. Uh, Alan, good morning. Hey,
4: I'm trying to get my video to work.
1: There, yeah, there you yeah.
4: go.
1: Uh, how's it hanging, Alan? You staying safe?
4: Oh, yeah. You know, for me, uh, I guess, fortunately, uh, it's not really a big change. I'm pretty much, I live in, uh, I have a wife, uh, but I live pretty much
1: in isolation anyway. <laughs> in isolation. <laughs> yeah, you you and Dennis both,
3: I think. When you're uh, ready, uh, you know, from a <laughs> mental perspective. Of yeah, for no, this. this
4: is really... Everybody has to come to my way now. And I'm not saying it's a good way for others, but it's fine
1: for me. Uh, So Alan, uh, what are you seeing with regards to how uh, the, at least the public the public side of the cannabis industry is is dealing with uh, the, the impending recession that we haven't seen since cannabis really became an investable asset for a lot of people. Right. That's true. So uh,
4: really the, the public, uh, the public stocks really started in uh, 2013 and uh, you know, I'd say the modern public stocks really started in 2018. And uh, so this is the first time that the economy has been a, a big issue. And of course there's uh, inelastic demand on one side, but then there's uh, an ongoing problem on the other side, which is the capital crunch. And I, I would also say inelastic demand is going to be tested. Uh, we've never seen anything like this. So right now, uh, you know, a lot of uh, optimists are kind of clinging to. Cannabis companies are have been deemed essential in almost all states. Uh, there's been a spike in sales in the short term. Sure, people were stocking up, but you know, as the uh, as this uh, economic scenario plays out, it's going to be really hard. But even looking beyond, you know, trying to uh, decipher the the future demand trends. Uh, we were in a capital crunch before this started. And, you know, I heard Dennis saying about, let everybody fail. Well, there are going to be a lot of failures in the cannabis sector, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, the cannabis, the, the better cannabis companies were already doing things like sale leasebacks and uh, accessing the debt market, which is very difficult to do. The rest of these guys are going to really struggle. So, uh, you know, in the United States, I, I think the very largest uh, what they call multi-state operators or MSOs are probably the best position. And uh, they may have have to retrench in certain markets, but they're probably much better uh, position. If you're a cannabis investor and you own an American cannabis company, there are a few that are not in those biggest four that I I think uh, have a a good chance because they have strong balance sheets and uh, generate positive cash flow. But I'd say the vast majority of these companies are in big, big trouble. And then up in Canada, it's a little bit different. The largest companies, and we saw some news on Aurora this morning, it's really the largest companies that that face a lot of challenges because these these were empire builders that had money thrown at them left and right. And uh, now they're trying to manage these massive global empires. Uh, They're burning cash left and right. Uh, And so, you know, it's pretty challenging. And beneath that, uh, the things that were gonna help Canada like the rollout of stores in Ontario this year look to be delayed now. It's, it's hard to envision that they're going to open up the stores
1: as was expected. So just, it's a very tough time. Just to be clear, the big four that you mentioned, that's, that's uh, canopy growth, Kronos, who else? The big four? No, I, uh,
4: that was the um, MSOs. And, and those the four biggest MSOs alphabetically would be Cresco, Cureleaf, okay. Green Thumb Industries or GTI and True Leaf. Okay. Those are the big four. So, okay. Up in Canada, there's five really big companies by market cap. And alphabetically, those are Aurora, Canopy. uh, I don't want to miss any. I missed one.
1: Aurora. Oh, I,
4: I should have started. The Freya, Aurora, Canopy, Kronos,
1: and Tilray. Right. Uh, and that news you mentioned this morning on Aurora, they said they have uh, $205 million in cash on hand. Their revenue for uh, Q3 will grow uh, on a quarter over quarter basis. Making they also progress now- on cutting
4: costs. But yeah, you know, the, the Aurora is not alone. Uh, e- even Canopy Growth faces some of the same challenges. They're lucky they, they have the strategic investment of a lot of cash, so they don't have a gun at their head. But we've mm-hmm. seen Tilray just slam the market at a desperate price. And uh, you know, what Aurora said today was, hey, we're making some progress here, but we got a problem. So we're gonna reverse split 12 to one so we can keep our listing on the New York Stock Exchange. And we're gonna do more equity offerings on the ATM. They've, they've expired their first ATM, so now it's ATM two. And so not to pick on Aurora or, or Tilray that had to do this, this is widespread across the industry. And I've been telling people, 420 Investor, be very careful in this market. Everybody is going to raise capital. Some of the people have to raise it or they'll go out of business. And some of the stronger companies are like, hey, let's raise capital. We, this is a great time. We can raise capital and we're going to you know, use it smarter than these other guys. And we're going to buy them pennies on the dollar. This morning, a little teeny tiny LP, which had already sought creditor protection. Yeah, it looks like they're not going to get anything. They put out a press release this whole company is looking for $12.5 million bids, and uh, I think that's just to cover their asset, their debts. And, uh, you know, I, I think what it tells us, you know, it wasn't that long ago that these analysts in Canada were telling us a license was worth $100 million just to have a license. Now, it's zero. And Health Canada is handing out licenses like candy on Halloween. It's crazy, but... Uh, There's 355 now they handed out, I think like I don't know. They handed out five licenses last week, eight the week before. So no, licenses are worth nothing. So what's worth something right now is positive cash flow. And if you're an investor, you need to understand what that is and go look for it.
3: Do any of these Canadian companies have positive cash flow right now?
4: Do any of them? Uh, any of them. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. So, uh, cash flow. So, Valens will be reporting this week. Uh, Valens has reported positive cash flow. Uh, I'm not sure that they will this quarter. I don't follow them as closely. I, I may cover them more closely. Uh, but they're an extraction LP, a little bit different. They didn't try to, you know, uh, plant 600,000 plants like Afria did. But, uh, uh, so it 's a little bit different, but uh, so generally speaking uh, uh, i 'm not aware of any Canadian companies Tough. that have positive cash flow in the United States. Uh, I can tell you uh, i 've written about some of the simpler stories uh, out there, uh, and, and uh, two of them are in Florida. One of them is uh, a big company truly, it 's one of the big four that I mentioned, and a smaller one is Liberty Health. These guys have positive cash flow. But they're operating in one state. You have to remember, all these empire builders and, and you know, most of these larger MSOs, too, you know they're out there winning licenses, doing deals, building, building, building. And, and so they may have positive cash flows in their more mature assets, but uh, at the corporate level, they don't. But with that said, oh so, so GTI, Green Thumb Industries is one of those big ones, and they just reported they haven't filed their, uh, their filings, but I, I can't remember if they provided a cash flow statement. Uh, but in the prior quarter, they had positive cash flow. Uh,
1: just to be clear, Alan, uh, how is cannabis as, as a product classified? Is that like a would you call that like a, a defensive product? Is, yeah, is yeah, yeah. It's
4: like you know nicotine and okay. coffee and to, I guess nicotine tobacco. Sorry, <laughs> alcohol is what I meant to say. Alcohol, yeah. tobacco, and and coffee things like that. These are things. Look, I, I'm going to be the very hard line on this. I don't think people get quote unquote physically addicted to cannabis. Uh, There's a big argument about that, so I don't wanna get into it, I don't agree with it. But I would admit that some people are habitual consumers of it and they can become psychologically dependent. And so, you know, a lot of people can't give it up, but you know, at times like this, I gotta tell you, I don't know how you guys feel, my life is okay, but I'm still depressed over what's going on out there. You know, a child, a son who lives in Brooklyn, I'm scared for him, a daughter in Kansas, I'm scared for her. People are losing their jobs left and right. Uh, you know, people, the small business owners, I know you're talking about them that I know are at risk of losing their business. So I feel, you know, my sleep is being impacted. Cannabis helps. So I think, you know, in, in times like this, uh, in general, in a recession, people will consume, continue to consume these types of products while we know that nobody's going to the movies right now, for instance, or taking the cruises, like you said. So, so they're... So, in that discretionary bucket, things like cannabis should hold up better. But this is an extreme test of that theory.
1: Right, Um, and so you're seeing a lot of headlines about so and so company has record sales, blah blah blah. You're not putting a ton of stock in in that. No, no,
4: no. no. There was so so there was a spike. Like everybody kind of figured out, just like toilet paper, whatever that you know, they want their cannabis and they might not be able to get it. So they bought as much as they could. And there's data out there that shows like in Florida, there's very clear data that shows there was a run up and a pullback. It's still, it's, it's not like it's plunging or anything, but you know, there've been a couple of instances, like, let me tell you a horror story. Well, there's two bad stories. One's a horror story. So Massachusetts, which has been just a terrible implementation of medical and uh, adult use cannabis, uh, I guess because they didn't want people from New York to drive up there and bring the virus, they closed all their recreational dispensaries, limiting it only to medical sales. So that's a problem for certain companies. But the horror story is Nevada, and uh, Nevada, of course, you know uh, they deemed it an essential uh, service, so that's good. The, the stores though were forced to do delivery, and uh, I don't even know if they can do curbside, but they're forced to do delivery, I believe, and you know is, is, are, that, is that legal, are, are they allowed to legal? That? delivery I, I mean so I'm trying to remember I don't know if they had delivery but so in, in certain markets where there wasn't delivery before they're doing it on the fly. so they have okay. delivery in uh, uh, Las Vegas. So think about like take planet 13. this is a company that has done a fantastic job in Las Vegas catering to consumers. Uh, they have ten percent of the Las Vegas, I think maybe it 's all Nevada sales uh, from a single store that i that I visited It has high prices it 's a cool place well, nobody 's going in that cool place, and they have shifted to delivery and they're you know they 're putting up a brave face saying how they 're going to serve the local market. but hey, guess what? the local market is so dependent on tourism there i I feel so badly for anybody that lives the Las Vegas area because that economy is going get, to get hit like the cruise lines it's that that economy is built on tourism and there's no tourists and I wouldn't expect the tourists to come back uh in, in great size very quickly there so you have a lot of in, uh, of companies that's a big market for these uh cannabis companies in general uh it's a place to test brands and build awareness with consumers so the, that market's essentially dead for now and uh you know yeah. planet 13 being the poster child uh and that company uh you know we'll see they they you know you asked about positive cash flow they've been a positive cash flow company but i can't call them one right now i don't see how they can do
1: that right right yeah uh, have you heard anything about uh how the industry could potentially be impacted or helped out i guess by the federal uh stimulus or yeah whatever, whatever you want to call that
4: Yeah, so it's unfortunate. Uh, Up in Canada, believe it or not, they told the, I forgot what it's called, but the $40 billion fund, whatever it is, was uh, told cannabis companies no, and they reversed, fortunately. Unfortunately, in the United States, it's going to be a no. Uh, It's federally illegal. There's no way federal funds are going into these companies. So uh, that's just, I think people have to accept that. Uh, Hey, the good news is there's good demand, and these companies – should be able to survive. uh, You know, many of them, some of them won't, unfortunately. Uh, You know, if you're a mom and pop serving uh, Las Vegas, you you may not survive, for example, or uh, whatever, but, uh, but, you know, I I don't want to be so negative. I think uh, there's a big positive takeaway. Uh, The fact that so many States said cannabis is an essential service is certainly a good long-term driver for the industry. Uh, The cannabis industry is rising in occasion. Like just today, Cresco Labs put out a press release. It seemed a little fluffy, but I, I understand why they did it. They're hiring people from the restaurant industry. They are spending money at local restaurants to have food delivered to their workers. So this is a big takeaway. Some cannabis companies have the opportunity. They're already being called essential. Now they can really prove themselves. And this paves the way, most likely, uh, in the future, for more states to legalize, and I, I have to say, I'm trying to be positive here. But one of my big themes, I probably discussed it with you the last time I was on, was how we were going to see more legalization this year, but at the legislative level, like they did in Illinois. Well, New York was going to be one of those states, and the you know they got bigger fish to fry right now, and yep. they can't get it yep. done right. And by the way, I would much rather a state go slow and do it right than to you know, not do it right. Like California, Massachusetts, and two years later for all these businesses to be going out of business because it wasn't done right. So, so it'll get done right. If you're a long-term cannabis investor, uh, you guys didn't even ask me if there's any safe spots. There, there's one. I'm not going to tell you right now, but I've shared one with you. Oh, somebody. we want the That's safe, safe
3: spot. <laughs> no, no,
0: no. Safe
1: spot. You got to be a cash. subscriber. All right. We got to yeah, subscribe. <laughs>
3: he's, <laughs> he's got a safe spot. But, uh,
1: wait, uh, wait, Alan, one more before yeah. we let you go. It's a little bit off topic, but so one of our listeners in our chat is asking if you recommend that they continue pursuing their masters of science in cannabis science oh, slash, yeah. thera- slash therapeutics.
2: Sure.
4: So, I mean, I think this is one of the biggest challenges for the cannabis industry that uh, you know we're going from a baggy industry where people had their man and we get their bag. It wasn't tested. They didn't know exactly what it was. And you know, fast forward now, you have consumer products, and so the people that are hiring are not you know illicit uh, people breaking the law. And I I don't want some of those people broke the law to help people. So I'm not trying to denigrate them, but there were a lot of, you know, real scumbags out there, you know, profiteering, uh, with an illegal substance. So whether it should have been or not, that's what they were doing. But going forward, you know, last week, Charlotte Fiji died. And, uh, some of the listeners may not know who that is, but she was on the Sanjay Gupta documentary weed in 2013 is a success story. And she passed away last week, uh, I think at 13. Uh, and uh, she she had been essentially cured of her epilepsy and when nothing else had helped her. And this was done without science. It was trial and error, right? So the future of the cannabis industry, both on the medical, the truly medical side, like the GW Pharma and finding cures for, for problems that in running through the FDA or or the health and wellness part, like Charlotte's Web, the company has done, and they're doing research as well. Or just you know the consumer packaged goods uh, companies that are evolving, that are just trying to deliver uh, constant out similar outcomes. I mean that's been a big problem for the industry, right? Like you buy something this week, it makes you tired. This week it makes you hungry. This week it makes you it, it's static. So. Yeah. Cannabis science is not going away and there's a big role for it. So I I think that's a great, great thing to pursue.
1: All right. Alan Brockstein is the author of the 420 Investor, also the founder of new cannabis ventures. Alan, we always appreciate you coming on. Uh, Keep staying in your usual state of isolation, I guess. We'll talk to you soon. Y'all stay safe. All right. Thanks, Alan. All right. Always good to get Alan's broad thoughts on the industry. 854 here. How are we doing out there?
2: Uh, we're just we're just climbing the wall of worry here. Uh, we're only down <laughs> eight handles at twenty seven seventy one seventy five. Uh, we're just above mid range on the session. Uh, like to see what happens at the close. Uh, that twenty seven seventy nine seventy five. That's been our high close of the rebound. So uh, uh, we'll look at that as a potential exit point if you have some longs this morning, or if you feel like, gosh, you know, taking a potential short. That's your big level uh, 50%, but I'm still just kind of, just kind of feeling like, man, it's, I think it's just going to be a tough day. Like I'm not going to do, you know, like I'm not, I probably will not do like a range extension. Like if we take out that pre-market high, I, I don't know if I could go long up there or if we take out the pre-market low, I'm not going to sell it in a hole. I think what, you know, Dennis mentioned at the top of the show about, um, you know, people looking to buy dips. I think that, you know, you can see that in some stocks. If you have, like, you short JP Morgan going into earnings here, and you didn't cover on the way down, you know, how are you thinking going into the report? So I'm looking for looking for a two-way market here.
3: You're short Triple JP D, Morgan you- right now. You're probably scared. That's why the stock's trading higher here this morning too. I will tell you S&Ps are down eight, nine handles here. There's a lot of stocks trading higher, significantly higher. Your Oil stocks are all way up. ExxonMobil, 456,000 a buy. It's trading up 3%. Chevron has 129,000 a buy. It's trading up 2.7%. Most of your banks are all trading higher here this morning, probably because TLT is trading down just slightly. But if I look like Bank of America is actually trading in the green, Citigroup is in the green, JP Morgan is in the green, uh, Goldman Sachs has ticked down, but it's, it's slightly in the red. Uh, But then you just look at other sectors, a lot of your dash for trash is still happening here this morning. Kohl's is trading up 6% here this morning. Same stocks, Macy's, trading up 3.5%. It's like Groundhog Day, where they're buying all the stocks that were very weak coming into this. Boeing having a fantastic morning. Trading up 3% here this morning. House of Mouse Disney, 177,000 shares to buy here this morning. Trading up 1%. I'm actually surprised the market is down at all. I would not be surprised if this market goes green. Let's talk, about, let's talk
1: about Disney here, because they announced over the weekend that they're going to furlough another 43,000 uh, union workers and going to keep a very small uh, number on uh, to keep the parks functioning, even though they're closed. Uh, there's a report in the New York Times that Bob Iger has essentially uh, come back to running the day-to-day operations of the company. Uh, mm-hmm.
3: we'll, we'll pull up a chart of, of Disney here. And, I mean, what do you guys think of this thing? I love the business. I want to be a Disney. It's on my shopping list, but it's hard to buy it when the parks are closed. It's hard to buy it not knowing when they're going to be able to open, you know. And they've got to do layoffs because they're and they've got to cut expenses right now because of all of these issues. So that makes it very, very tricky to just come in here and say, "Okay, yeah, I'll buy at 105 here." I think it's eventually going back to 140. There's a lot of problems. So I don't like buying problems. So the stocks that I've been buying, like I said, Microsoft. You know, like you know, stocks that aren't having a direct hit from this, not at the epicenter. Disney, maybe not a cruise line, but they own some cruise lines. I mean, this is kind of still at they're the. They're going to have
2: here. to. I mean, once this is done and there's some normalcy here, they're going to have to bring their prices way down. I mean, it, it's possible for a bit. Have, oh, they're gonna have she she went there how long ago? For like a, year, a week. It's
3: crazy. It's a lot of money, but you know what? They have the, the parks are so full. I think the business. I think the business will come back, but I don't think it's coming back too. in a week. It's going to be like Chipotle. It's going to take the consumer confidence to fly again. It's going to take the consumer some time to go and stay at a resort where there's people from all over the world going to. Yeah, that's going to take some time. So just to think that Disney's going to bounce back in the third quarter I think is absurd and, and honestly I think there's no chance this thing bounces back in the third like the stock maybe but the company itself and if you think the company is going to its stock prices off the of company fundamentals to a certain extent I think you don't have to chase the stock like Disney it popped on the, the numbers the nice numbers from uh, Disney plus and that pop got faded as well there's still a lot of underlying issues here uh, my shopping list has Disney on it, but it's not one that I'm wanting to strike today. I mean, stocks, you know, that I've, you know, obviously, you know, I've talked, you know, multiple times with stocks I've been buying. It's stocks that are not at the epicenter for this. And Disney I want to well, go, I will
2: go back to Disney because I want to go to Blizzard Beach and they have that huge slide. Did you do that, Dennis?
3: No. The, huge the kids one, uh, yeah, like it it's are like, too young like, for that,
2: yeah. Uh, straight down. So I will, I will go and pay for that eventually when
3: they wheel, reopen it. I, I, I'm willing to go back to Disney, but I want to wait until the doctors tell me it's safe. And that's the one thing, too. You have the economists that want to reopen business and let's get it open for May. Let's, you know, get everything going because the cure is worse than the disease. I'm telling you with my asthmatic child that I'm waiting until the doctors say the coast is clear. Even if they reopen everything tomorrow, I'm not hopping on a plane and going to Disney World. I will wait until the coast is clear, and I think there's a lot of people that are like me that are going to wait for the coast is clear, meaning the sales at the parks could be down for the foreseeable future. Dennis, I 2020 I will, could be a write-off for the parks.
1: Dennis, I will personally take every person in the park's temperature if that will make you feel better.
3: <laughs> it doesn't. I already told you. You pop some Tylenol and your temperature goes down. That doesn't make me feel any better at all. Everybody keeps, you know, take the temperatures, take the temperatures. If you're not feeling well, you probably take an Advil and aspirin or aspirin or Advil or Tylenol, which is a fever reducer so I mean even if you just think you got the normal flu you're probably popping something like that Tylenol, cold and flu is easily available over the over the counter people yeah. bought that so I don't think it's like a, a, the, the safety feature that everybody else thinks oh take the temperature everybody's not sick there's some people that take Advil when they're sick and they're still sick
1: alright uh, on that note I want to wrap it up for the day thanks to our guest Alan Brockstein. thanks to all of you in our chat, both on YouTube and on premarket.benzinger.com Uh, For a replay of this show, you can go to our YouTube channel or catch the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or TuneIn. Go to Benzinger.com slash coronavirus for some real-time trackers on Uh, stats related to the virus and real-time headlines related to that as well. For a free two-week trial and a subsequent discount to Benzinga Pro, click on the link in the description of this video on YouTube. Uh, Please remember all the information uh, from the show is meant to be used as informational purposes only, not for investing or trading advice. Everyone have a great rest of your day. Be safe out there as always. And Joel and I will be back with you at the close. Until then, have a good one.